I was always a believer in the paranormal. I never doubted that spirits existed, and as a kid, always wanted to meet one. At 14, my wish was granted. We lived on a back road in northern Ohio. Expansive farmland surrounded our home, and the nearest neighbor lived about half a mile down the road. You name it, we lived in the middle of where it was grown. Beans, corn, hay, everything. I was never really scared of being home alone because I knew who to call in emergencies and had a dog named Molly, a large, scary-sounding creature who was in reality a giant baby. During summer vacation, my sister stayed with our aunt in Pennsylvania. My mother and father worked, so I was left to fend for myself. I enjoyed the quiet. Chores and playing on my phone kept me more than occupied. Around lunchtime one afternoon, as I was putting away the dishes, I heard what sounded like wind chimes. A few distinct notes were being struck again and again in the same order. When I tried to locate the source, it stopped. As there were no wind chimes in or around our house, I assumed the noise to be my phone's ringtone. I'd just gotten a new one, so the alert sounds were all set to factory default. When I checked, however, no new calls or notifications showed up. Strange. I chalked it down to an overactive imagination still reeling from the string of horror movies I binged watched the night before. I returned to putting away the dishes when Molly began growling in the front hall, working up to a full-blown barking fit. When I went to see what all the fuss was about, I found her glaring intently at the stairs, her body coiled into a tack stance. Never in all her life had I seen Molly behave like this. I called her to me, but she wouldn't respond. Then, all at once, the loud, erratic thundering of someone barreling down the stairs at full bore sent Molly and I retreating into the laundry room. I locked the door and huddled in the far corner, Molly growling at the door. Knowing I was alone in the house, I struggled to make sense of what was going on. Surely no one could have gotten in without Molly sounding the alarm. Suddenly, I could see a pair of feet under the door and held my breath as the handle shook. Please don't hurt them, I heard a woman cry from the other side. Molly's bark now was utterly panic-stricken. Go away, I shouted. Abruptly, everything stopped. Complete silence. The feet disappeared. Mustering the courage to emerge and inspect the house, I nevertheless refused to go upstairs until Dad got home. After a while, I managed to convince myself I'd somehow imagined the whole ordeal. I explored the upstairs later and found nothing out of the ordinary. Even the attic, which had been converted to a guest room, was empty. Clearly my mind was playing tricks on me. Ghosts don't just spring into action out of the blue like that, do they? All was quiet until I was fifteen. Another summer was upon us, and again I was left alone. Molly, sadly, had passed away a month prior, so apart from me, the house was empty. I was listening to an audiobook when I began hearing whispers. Don't let them find us. Hide. At first, I took the eerie voices for part of the story, a murder mystery involving a child. When, however, they observed, He already got Molly. I shut the player off in a cold sweat. The whispers continued. My thoughts immediately flew to the incident from the year before. Come hide with us, they said. He won't find us here. Attempting to locate the voices, I came to the laundry room. The closet door was shut. I knew full well I'd left it open after folding clothes that morning. 
Slowly, I opened the door. On the other side crouched two small children, their dark eyes pleading with me. I turned away in horror and slammed the door. Collecting myself a few moments later, I reopened it, and the children were gone. Suddenly, the clatter of someone running down the stairs boomed from the front hall. Almost on instinct, I shut and locked the laundry room door, exactly like the first time. Again, the feet appeared under the door. Again, the woman's voice begged, Please don't hurt them! Oddly more confident this time around, I threw open the door and saw... Nothing. Later, I told my mom, the person most likely to believe me. She turned pale at my story. So you've heard them too. Thank you, Thea, for that submission. I'm Jamie Markey. And I am a tremulous Michael Tatum. Tremulous. Tremulous. T-R-E-M-U-L-O-U-S. Tremulous. Very good. Thank you. I think. I don't know. I'm not sure what it means, but I'm good at spelling. (laughs) And I'm good at knowing what stuff means, but terrible at spelling. (laughs) uh, Tremulous means like shaking, trembling. Tremblingus. Tremble. That sounds dirty. That sounds really dirty. I was going to go with bum-fuzzled, but that sounds like I have a hairy ass. You have to use that later. Uh, Well, I will, but I don't really have an especially hairy ass, so it's dishonest. Don't, don't, there's always a chance, is what I'm saying. If I don't have hair on my ass by now, I don't think I'm ever going to get it. I believe. Fingers crossed. I believe. What, am I going to go through second puberty? I mean, weirder things have happened. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like the, the story. story from... And this is Ghoul Intentions. Ghoul Intentions. I um, was really excited when I read this story. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I'm the one that read it, and I sent it to you, and I was like, "Fuck!" Oh, I know, I love it. We we should uh, so thank you, uh, Thea, yeah, yes, for our submission. That was really, really good. I want to know if anything more happened because it seemed to be kind of on a yearly schedule. I know, I like, if, did it continue happening? Yeah, did if, we? Has anyone done any research on that house to see what happened? Because it sounds like somebody killed some kids. Right. Like, what are we missing? And that's awful. We it is. Dance. It's yes. not entertainment, except it, that it is. Look, people have been interested in this stuff forever. So, we're not especially bad. Um, Tragic <laughs> and, and, and interesting are not mutually exclusive categories. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. We're not actively watching people get hanged or lit on fire, lighted on fire, lit, lit yeah, on fire. Lit on, I don't know. Lighted, lit, hung, hanged. Set on fire. <laughs> We're not there we go. That. That's a good out. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing that. That would be terrible. And people did that forever ago so yeah but let's be real for a moment if we were living in the time where you could go to the gallows every week and see like that pickpocket you know killed for the pleasure of the public yeah i would totally go i would do i would feel very conflicted while i was watching it but i would go that's i would feel conflicted afterwards probably but maybe not during because i really love a crowd with energy <laughs> I mean, give this the pe- story give the, give the people what they want. What's the name of this episode, by the way? What did we decide on the name of this episode oh, was going to be? It's the Devil's Agents from the Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes, ooh, yes. That is one of uh, that's actually one of my favorite uh, novels. Sherlock's? 
well, I have many favorite Sherlock's, but that's like one of my favorites. One of the one of the few instances uh, where Sherlock Holmes goes against an adversary who is uh, presented as supernatural. Oh, Spoiler, oh I'm not yeah, gonna, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's it happens once or twice, but it's for the most the part, yeah, it's worth the read. Yeah, uh, and and the reason that we decided on this title, even though you conveniently just forgot it, um, is because <laughs> uh, it's very much that feeling of of who is this? Why is this here? Is it sent on a mission? And so the devil's agents kind of comes from that. But and also kind of evokes loneliness. Most of these stories take place when people are alone, like in the middle of nowhere. Right. Uh, or living in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. like the, uh, And, and that's, it's very much the Hound of the Baskervilles, where it's like, hey, we're living on the creepy moors in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And there may be this giant hellhound that's killing off members of the family because right. curse. And she's on a farm, right? Yeah, she was on a farm. Middle of nowhere, also very creepy. Yeah. Nearest neighbor was was half a mile down the road. Half a mile. That's a long way Oh, wait, I grew up on that. I grew up with... My nearest neighbor was um, a half a mile, probably. That's a long way when you can't drive. I could see it. Yeah, but I mean, that's a long way to go over fields and through woods. I did it all the time. I did too, but it's still a long way. I mean, Their dog did it when they came and made my dog have its babies. Not... Different dog than the Hound of the Baskervilles, right? We're not talking about a giant. I didn't like their dog, so we can go with it. (laughs) Um, it's not his fault. He wasn't well trained. Sorry, Ah. sorry, neighbors that grew up next to me. Sorry, sorry for the and sorry for the clinking ice. That's just me drinking uh, our customary Moscow Mule. All of the listeners who have listened before have heard you rattling your ice and And slurping. slurping your vodka. I don't slurp. He's a mess. I sip. Slurping involves the tongue going over the front of the mouth, and I one does not drink like that. I'm sorry to ex- exclaim. Blah, blah, blah. But he's one, drunk. He can't. He doesn't know what he's saying anymore. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not drunk. You're drunk. <laughs> I am so, not drunk. Back to Thea, Thea, Tia, Thea's story. Yeah, I hope, I hope we're saying your name right. T H E A. T H E A. I feel like it's Thea. Thea. Like Thea. Theodore. I've Theodora. heard Thea. Thea. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's maybe. What I, how I feel it is. Theodora, character from The Haunting of Hill House. Mm. Mm, mm. That could be why it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, which, Not if you fun. haven't seen The Haunting of Hill House, it is excellent. I know a lot of people get lost at the beginning. They just can't get into it. But by the, it's it just becomes excellent. If anything, you have to watch the sixth episode just for the Oh my god, yeah. I, I have mixed feeling. feelings about the whole thing. I like it. I think it's definitely worth a watch. But man, the sixth episode, I think, is some of the best like television I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm still dealing with feelings from it. Feelings. So many feelings. It's a great exploration of, of what ghosts mean to people and, and the different coping mechanisms people develop, uh, when the tragedies they've lived through don't have easy explanations. Right. Uh, it's really, it's a really fascinating look at, uh, a family trying to keep it together when forces beyond their control are trying to tear all of them apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Which for absolutely. me makes like the best ghost stories. Like Poltergeist is kind of about that. It's about a family struggling to keep it together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Um, well, and so many yeah. of these stories, uh, movies, and, and stories really deal mm-hmm. with mental illness and, you know, how right. we deal with that and, and, and all of those things. So it's just excellent and, and feel full yeah. of feelings. You're going to have so many feelings if you haven't watched it yet. I would encourage you to continue watching it. Um, yes. And read the and read good. the novel sometime if you like. The novel bears little relationship to to the series, um, though they do try to you know pay homage to it every, everywhere they get by using lines from 
the novel, but the novel happens to a totally different group of people, and, and it's not about a family per se, it's just about a group of people spending right. the summer in a haunted house to do research and shit happens. Uh, but it's Haunting of Hill House is one of my favorite um, books, uh, fictional stories about it. the supernatural. I know, it's just, it's so good. I want yeah. people to read it. It's a quick read, it's, actually, only, it's very slim. He actually loaned it to me to read, and it is exactly in the same place it was when he gave it to me, because I'm not time, but I'm gonna read it. I swear. You're gonna, you're gonna, Maybe we'll do like a it. book club to read it, and then we'll have a special Twitch session where we can all talk about the book. Maybe we'll do something. Ooh, like I that. think it's a good idea. Okay. Maybe we'll do it. We'll see. It's not a very we'll it's see. not a very long book. It's more of a novella than a book, I think. But so it's it's an easy read. You can read it in a few nights if you have time. It's more of a novella. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably take less time to read the book than to watch the series. So you could do both. At the same time. What if you just <laughs> what if you just watch the series with closed captions on? <laughs> Oh, sure. That's exactly the same experience. It's fine. Uh, Uh, So, (laughs) I'm sorry. Back to this story that we read. What? We're getting off topic? I know. It's so (laughs) shocking to everybody involved. Um, What was the creepiest part for you? Because for me, it is when she sees the children. It elevates the story to, like, next level, oh, shit. Like, it's not just hearing something, somebody might be in the house, who is, and, and the voice saying, leave them alone uh, or please don't hurt them. And the assumption was it was her and her dog. Right. It's the later right. finding out that that was never meant for her. It was for the the, the children that were hiding. In yeah. There. But then the children mention her dog, right? Yeah, the children. Yeah, and the dog had died. So it, it seems so it like you, wonder, you know, is it a is it a residual haunting mm-hmm. where where you know we're just seeing something played over and over again, a tragedy that happened, right. but it's not an active haunting. It's not not trying to hurt the present. It's just kind of projected onto the present. Um, because the, the children seem to suggest that like, no, no, it's, you know, which maybe there might be two kinds of hauntings going on there. Maybe one is residual and one is active. Maybe the children, uh, are active spirits that, that can see the residual haunting and still naturally respond to that trauma as though it's fresh and like, oh my God, this is happening. We need to help our friend, uh, you know, uh, and the dog or whatever. And then, so it's kind of curious to think about that, that it could be two hauntings coinciding and that one active haunting is like... It's a ghost being haunted by another ghost. Right. In a way. So this is kind of a nesting doll of paranormal experiences. You have the 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 living experiencer who's seeing this haunting, but turns out when you when you parse it down, maybe there's two different hauntings going on. Yeah. Well my brain immediately is like, well, are the kids an active haunt, but they have they feel like they have to play their part in this residual haunting. So they go where they're supposed to be for the residual haunting, but then the rest of the time they do what they want. And of course, that is a very extreme idea. I get that. But that's how my brain works. It's like, but what if, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? That's, and th- you never know. The same. I mean, what if, you know, what, if, what, if, what if a haunting is somewhere between that? For some, for some members of that family that's haunting the house, some of them are just kind of automatons going through the motions of this tragic, tragic thing. And some of them are somewhere in between that, between like they have to, they have to kind of follow the same gradient every year, but they have some knowledge of it, of the here and now mm-hmm. and of their being other people now that that need their help it's really i mean who knows that's all the mystery right um and how much is it is is the human mind as you know we tend to try to the human mind we we put ourselves in every story uh, Mm -hmm. we see i mean it happens where it's not suggest that that that, um did we say thea or thea who do you you like thea Thea, that's what i've decided that's your name we're gonna call you thea 
You're still Thea to us. <laughs> you will always be our Thea. <laughs> um, but it could be that in retrospect that this experience kind of made Thea think, well, that, you know, maybe maybe it did happen to me. Maybe the kids were talking to me and maybe she just heard um, these whispers or, or whatever. Who knows? But yeah. it's, it's it just kind of shows you that there's no easy dividing line when it comes to a haunting and like right. how conscious are these ghosts are of our presence. Yeah. Well, and you then know? you think badass like opens the door there are two children she's like nope shuts the door here's the footsteps and is like children ghost children are better than whatever's coming down those stairs mm-hmm, i'm gonna hop mm-hmm, in there with them mm-hmm, and then they're gone mm-hmm. like what it's and also then good. she you kind of see gets braver and leaves yeah. i love that i love that too because i think it, it you know it suggests that you know the more um accustomed people get to a particular haunting the mm-hmm. braver you get i think i said in the last episode that uh how um terrifying a ghostly experience can be uh, because our first instinct is to run away right so I, obviously where where the story ends is still a terrifying place whereas if you were to just kind of sit with it and see what unfolds um what you get is maybe a far fuller experience mm-hmm. uh, that's not just frightening but also perhaps you know uh, which more human yeah and i feel like that's an easier thing to do when you are in a space that is safe when you are in your home you know, somewhere that you feel safe as a person, it's a lot easier to be like, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Where if you are in somewhere, let's say like a cemetery, (laughs) you might be like, it's time to GTFO. I am not about whatever's happening here. Which brings me to our next story. Oh, yes, yes. I want to hear this. This is a good one. Yes. This is... Let me take another slurp, a sip, not a slurp, of my Moscow Mule. Shall we? Clink. changing it. Clink. (laughs) Okay, this is a submission from Morgan. My husband Bo and I had just moved into our first apartment together and after many spooky tales decided, why not take a look at this old haunted cemetery in the country? We loaded up in his truck and headed out well after dark. To get to this cemetery, one must navigate a maze of small back roads that may have a single streetlight between them. While we were driving around one of many blind curves, we saw something large in the middle of the road and slowed the truck to a stop. In the headlights and sliver of moonlight, we saw a massive black shaggy dog eating something. However, this was not the scary part. What frightened us was how this dog, this dog with gleaming eyes, simply looked at the truck from the center of the road and then walked up to it. This truck was a 2017 Silverado pickup. This creature, without raising its head or putting its paws up on anything, could, with ease, look over the hood of the truck at both of us. It calmly walked around to the driver's side window, once again, all four paws firmly on the ground, and looked in at my husband. After a moment, it just as calmly stepped away, grabbed whatever it had been eating, and disappeared into the woods. We sat there for another moment, nervously laughing at what we had seen to break the tension, before continuing on. We reached the cemetery, and as we got out of the truck, we noticed that it sounded like every dog in the county was howling, a cacophony of dog howls. 
We made our way into the cemetery, joking to ourselves that the massive dog we'd seen had probably stirred them all up. We were about halfway along the circular path when the barking, when all the noise, suddenly stopped, leaving us in complete silence. We shared a look and continued on our way, but we stopped cold when we heard what sounded like an animal walking through the woods and brush around us. From what we could hear, it seemed to be getting closer and closer. My husband moved ahead just a bit to try and get a look at whatever was making the sound, but he just turned back around and said, very calmly, get to the truck. Without question, I did what he said, the multitude of howls picking up again as we left. On the drive back home, I asked what happened, and he told me that the crunching sound of leaves we had heard kept getting closer. It sounded as if something was right in front of him, but the only thing he could see was thick shadows. He felt it was wiser to just calmly leave rather than stay or run. We have no idea what that dog was, nor have we ever encountered it again. But seeing it and hearing whatever was in the cemetery that night is a memory neither of us will ever forget. Now that was the Hound of the Baskerville. There's no question. <laughs> right? Like that was it's come to America. And it's here. It's here. It got it's a tired cemetery. of Yeah. It Ghost. got tired of the Moors and it came over here. Oh. That's the a idea. big dog. I grew up with Great Danes. They're huge. They're huge. They're not that big. They're not that big. They're not that big. <laughs> They're not that big. Uh, and the breeds that are big and black and shaggy are like a Newfie, but there's, Newfies aren't that big. Newfoundlands? No. I know. Like, They're not that big. And I don't know. My sense is like there is something adorable about a Newfoundland. Well, yeah, because they're just giant this teddy doesn't, bears. Yeah, this doesn't sound like it was a giant teddy bear in the middle of the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounded like a giant hellhound. It sounded like a hellhound. And I, the I don't know that I believe in hellhounds, but I would if I saw that goddamn dog. Do you know that's interesting about the um, folklore around... There is so much folklore around giant black dogs. It there's is a, uh, yes. crazy. There's a lot. Yes. Of mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There, there's specifically, there's a church grim, and this is insane. <laughs> the Back in the day, the, the church, the, the cemetery was usually attached to the church, right? Mm-hmm. And a new church would have the first person, I guess, that died would be buried at the front, front of the church. And that, the spirit of that person was supposed to protect the church. From mm. invaders, from thieves, from anything that happened to churches back in the day, right? Right. But some churches didn't want to curse, basically, a spirit to have to protect their church for forever. Mm. So instead of that, they would choose to bury a live dog. I think I feel like it was in the corner of the church. Mm. And then that dog spirit was supposed to protect the church from from that stuff that's just one but you progressive know. thought in a way because it was forever 
it's been only recently that that churches have had the, begun having the debate that animals even have souls mm-hmm. or spirits. So mm-hmm. I, that was very, I mean, it, cruel I mean, as it may sound, yeah, and it was definitely cruel. It was at least uh, progressive in its thinking of a dog's spirituality. Yeah, yeah. But they did have a lot of, I mean, that is the usual, most of the dogs are benevolent. Like they are there to help uh-huh. the church uh-huh. or the people or keep people safe. There's a lot of stories of dogs that are in per- certain parts of the woods that will help travelers get where they're going safely and they support them and help them. But there are also many stories about dogs that will kill you up. <laughs> uh, it's fascinating the history behind all of these different types of, of dogs and hellhounds and things like that and what, what their jobs are. But most of them have specific jobs. I think it's really strange. There's a there's a piece of folklore from I don't know what part of the world. Uh, it's the oddest um, one I've ever heard in connection to to black dogs. But it was believed uh, for a time at least that by having a black hound and by painting an extra set of silver eyes on its forehead, uh, that dog was the would it guarantee your safety if you walked with it on uh, a road at night. Because, uh, of course, this is back in the day when, you know, walking, um, you walked everywhere, especially if you didn't mm-hmm. have the money for, you know, a horse or a carriage. And uh, so travelers, they were really at peril because, you know, wolves, other other creatures uh, that wanted to do you in. And those are just like flesh and blood creatures. Right, God yeah. knows what kind of, you know, spiritual creatures might have been there. But uh, but also highwaymen and, and robbers and, 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 you know, villains. So it... You know, the people had all this whole superstition, um, whole just range of superstitions grew up around the idea of needing protection while mm-hmm. on the road because for some people it was how they made their living. And uh, but having a dog with you was a big thing. Well, we've talked. About, I think we've talked about this before. Um, but did you know that Doberman? Doberman Pinch, uh, yes, Pinchers. Yes, we have talked about that. Um, they, they, the, they, as the breed, they were preceded by the, what we call the Men Pen. Now that they were, the Men Pen was actually first. Men Pen, interestingly enough, uh, has won the award in my heart for the most awkward looking dog ever. <laughs> They're so awkward looking. But there was there was a guy in Germany in uh, the Middle Ages, not the Middle Ages, later on, uh, who was a tax collector, and so he bred. Uh, he wanted to breed a really weird, threatening-looking dog uh, to take with him to collect taxes because, you know, people wanted to kill him because, you know, tax man. And uh, so that's it. But again, having a big black dog was mm-hmm. just, it gave him a certain um, gravitas to have him in his company. So giant dogs, and specifically black dogs, have always been or long been associated with power or with otherworldly things. They're basically shit you don't want to fuck with. Yeah, supernatural shenanigans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting that that's what they find here. And then they hear something at the cemetery, which again, you are at at a cemetery after dark. This is what you fucking get. Sorry. A great story. Yeah, but that's what you get. You're so negative about it. Morgan and Bo. I'm with them. I'm like, you guys, good for you. Go to more cemeteries. We need more stories. That's true. Yeah, go to the cemetery. You guys go to the cemetery (laughs) and get us I'll go with you. Jamie will not, but I'll go with you. I'll stand on the outside and take pictures of you guys inside. And then when you're dying, I'll be like, you should not have done that. Have you never been to a cemetery at night? Never. In your life? Ever. Wow. I'm still going to say no if you ask me again should, in a I'm different just way. Saying you should try. I just cracked my knuckle into the mic to make a point. <laughs> I'm not sure what that point was. Uh, you should you should try it sometime. 
just just to do it. Yeah, sure. I'm totally going to do that. That sounds like a great idea. I think it is. Let's I take, think it is. I think it's a fear you should face. We get a Ouija board and take that into the cemetery. Nope. At nope. night. That's my hard limit. On Halloween. No, no I'm not How even going to. I wouldn't even come over to your like house if there was a Ouija board idea. in it. Ugh. But I'm supposed to go to a cemetery at night. Oh, is that the deal? You can think of nothing else? No, no I, both of face? those things are stupid. I'm not doing either one of them. Okay, well, that's fair. Michael. Well, between the two of us, we're pretty even <laughs> then. You, you'll do neither of them, and I'll only do one, so it's fine. Right. I'm not that progressive. <laughs> <laughs> progressive. Slash I, I, stupid. <laughs> Dumb. I don't know. The dead need love after dark, too. I'm just saying. Not for me, they don't. People only go to cemeteries during the day, and maybe the dead feel like, wow, it's really lonely here at night. Take a nap. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> a really long and lonely one. Then why are, why are they so upset? <laughs> <laughs> Damn you and your logic. Um, <laughs> it's gotta be. It's got to be lonely to be. Um, it's gonna be lonely to be a cemetery ghost because we talked about this before. Things happen in cemeteries, but it's not often that I mean, it's not often that we find them haunted by mm-hmm. people um, because you know why would they? People don't. People don't I feel die like there. Cemeteries are probably more likely haunted by people who go there a lot and then uh, die uh, than people uh, who are actually buried there. Because like what we've right. discussed this too. Why would you? Or they're not really haunted at all, and we're just so freaked out by the idea of death that we yeah. go to a cemetery. It's looming large, and, and you know, well, you think whatever. about it. I know. On at a cemetery, there is nothing but emotion, and it is people burying their loved ones. Mm-hmm. It is people going mm-hmm. back and missing their loved ones. There's a lot of emotion that happens there, sure, sure, and sure. so I imagine that that emotion would just kind of ferment. I mean, how many people and lost turn into loved a ones? fine wine of creep? <laughs> <laughs> Do you find like a new, beautifully manicured cemetery as creepy as an old one? That's like tucked away somewhere that maybe isn't as well maintained. The gravestones go way back. Some of them are moss worn. Well, if I go in the daytime, I don't find them very creepy. But of those two options, do you find them equally creepy? Or is the older one? I'm just, I'm doing, I'm conducting a little thought experiment here. I'm wondering if the older the cemetery is, the the creepier it is for us because we think, oh, those people have been dead for a very, very long right. time. Longer like, than most of my family's been alive, you know? Yeah, maybe more, most people would feel that way. But I, the the super manicured cemeteries where you, mm-hmm. they have a lot of these in Oklahoma, they don't have headstones that stand up. They're all mm-hmm. on the ground. Right. And so for me to have it just be like this field of... Of, of grass and maybe some flowers sticking up, mm-hmm. but that is creepier to me because mm-hmm. there's no personality to it. There's well, it's, no it's more kind of anesthetic and yeah, yes, yeah. yes. It's very, it's like I, a hospital of that. of cemeteries. It's, like it, it's trying too hard not to look like a cemetery, right? And it's like there's something to be said for cemeteries that look like cemeteries because that's what they are. Don't try to pretend you're not who you are. There are <laughs> dead people in here, but you can have you know the mausoleums and you can have the headstones mm-hmm. and you can have. All of those things, and it and it still be taken care of. You know, an overgrown cemetery is just a sad thing to me. But, Very sad. Well, but, neglected. But that, and yeah. I think that. Well, see, I think overgrown, like older, not necessarily overgrown, but older cemeteries, um, are creepier to me because I some part of my brain immediately thinks, wow the like the people that were buried here and and their families who came to visit these graves in their lifetimes. 
these are people for whom all the things we're talking about were part of everyday reality. It right. Was, it was an uncontested mm-hmm. uh, perspective on life. The spirits were around mm-hmm. us all the time. You had to go to graves. And that's a thing. And I think that makes it more, when I see a newer grave, uh, you know, I, I, I may be creeped out because I'm reminded by death or I may be mournful because someone I love is buried there. But I'm not... I'm not, uh, it doesn't kind of chill me the way an older cemetery does. And I think when I walk into an older cemetery, I'm moved by, uh, I somehow automatically adopt the, the attitudes of people uh, that must have gone, of the people uh, that were buried there, like oh, mm-hmm. how their life must have been. Same thing when if I go to like a, a Native American reservation. And because uh, I had this experience when I was uh, younger, I had a friend uh, who had family on a reservation, and we go to one, and they still maintained a lot of their traditions. And and for that particular tribe we were visiting, the spirit world is a deep reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, it informs just about every decision they make in their day to day lives. And I found myself even somewhat skeptical going in, completely. Um, uh, infected is not a kind sounding <laughs> word. I just don't know where a better one. I found myself really taken with that viewpoint and I found it really easy to believe in what they believed because I was kind of in the midst of it. And I think when I go to an older cemetery, it's easy to see like I could see, I can feel this place is haunted because the graves are old enough to where pretty much, I mean, it's it's, it's a formula. If everyone buried here believed wholeheartedly in ghosts, right. <laughs> as they probably did 200 years ago, then I'm with them. But in right. older, it's it's different. It's like when I walk into a cemetery that's more modern, I guess there's part of my brain that's like, yeah, there's a lot of skeptics here. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I Isn't think, that weird? I, I, it's, it's straight, I say that so. loud now and think, God, that sounds fucking weird well, for me my, to say, but it's true. My thing with it is the history of it. So, because I love, I mean, that's, I would say 75, 80% of my love for ghost stories is the history behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is always more interesting to me than, especially if we're watching a ghost hunting show. Yeah. I'm not going to be specific about any of them, but the most entertaining part is when they're talking about the hauntings. When they yeah. go do the hunt, it's like, okay, they're not going to find anything or they're going to record a voice that's going, and then they're like, oh my God, it said, get out, you motherfucker. Like, that's not what they said. Maybe your sound person farted. Like, that could be what that sound is. So, but it's always, you know, iffy and it's sensational. And to me, the history is way more way more interesting. Well, I think that's such an but important social function of the ghost story go, is to kind of bring us to history. Right. Like when we had Beth on last week and we learned all these things about these cemeteries being mm-hmm. right under our feet that are just kind of there that people build houses and complex on that I wouldn't have known about right. had there not been a ghost story. And and that is my thing. In a new cemetery, you have, uh, people have bought those plots years in advance. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, they'll have maybe families and they'll still do that. Mm-hmm. But it, you, they're so spread out and it, you can't, it's, and this is so morbid and I'm going to confess it. At an older cemetery, a small, old cemetery, you can see what happened to that family, to that region. Yeah. You can see, okay, yeah. so in this year, clearly something happened because... You know, a lot of people died this year or, you know, there were children. A lot of children died at the same time. Really young kids Mm -hmm. were dying or several people in one family died. So there's more history that you can pick up from these older ones because they're Mm. less planned. So and I and that to me, because I've done I've done I've gone to plenty of cemeteries Mm. during the daytime and during the day. Yeah, yeah, explored that 
that aspect. So it's of like it. older cemeteries are kind of like a they're almost a de facto tapestry of what happened to this family or that community. Yes, um, because they reflect a different time where you know people didn't go off and live in different cities. They all grew up for generations in the same area most of the time. Whereas newer cemeteries just kind of feel like a filing cabinet, right. <laughs> a, miscellane- a miscellaneous. <laughs> filing I went to this cabinet. old cemetery once on uh, private land, and it was a family cemetery. Mm-hmm. And I just literally walked up to the house and knocked on the door, and I was like, "Hey, I'm here looking at the cemetery, and I was curious about the history." And I mean, it was private land; I had no reason to be there. But the guy who was he was like an eighth generation Texan or something like that, wow. and was so willing to tell me everything about their family. And um, talked about the cemetery. And so some of those dates, like you could see several people dying at the same time. He talked about what happened then and Mm -hmm. gave me those details and gave me like the house was six generations in or something. Like six generations ago was when it was built. His father, grandfather, great grandfather all died in the same bed that he slept in, which I then I was like, okay, it's creepy now. It got real creepy real fast, but... (laughs) I mean, like, it must be a damn good bed to last that long. It was huge. Because he gave me a tour of the house, too. That's right. And I was not by myself, to be fair. I would never. I was not by myself, but no, we went okay, in. Thank God. He gave I was going to be like, wait, so you won't go to a cemetery at night. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. This was, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And so, um, and then there were a lot, I remember this in the bedroom, there were a lot of, uh, like, trophy heads of different animals. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> When were these killed? And for me, whenever I see a deer head or any kind of those trophy heads Uh, uh. or trophy taxidermied animals, I feel like they're always looking at me. Yeah, there's, there's, they're they're usually, they're kind of meant to look that way. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I feel like they're also looking at me and saying, why did you let this happen? And I walked into a room and I mean, it was covered all the walls, like three rows from the floor to ceiling. And then all the width oh of it. I mean, it was really disturbing. And then he was like, this is where my father and grandfather and great-grandfather all died in this bed. And it, of course, in my mind, I'm like, I hope you change the mattress at least. Like, at least turn uh, it. Like, at least... Oh. Yeah. It, but it, that was kind of strange. Oh. But Ugh. it was... Yeah. The, the cemetery itself was really cool. That was neat. That's really interesting what you yeah. learned about about um, a history of a community by going to the cemetery. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time in cemeteries as a kid with my mom, and she would go to cemeteries precisely mm-hmm. for that reason, the history you could learn by looking at headstones. And back in the day, too, they tended to be a little more ornate, not just in the monuments themselves, but in what was written on them. Mm-hmm. So you'd see, like, oh, you'd get a sense of what people thought of this person. Yeah, those old-timey yeah. Western, like, they make jokes about them, the, those tombstones that are... I can't think of any off the top of my head right now because Moscow Mule, but <laughs> those are real. Mm-hmm, those mm-hmm, those mm-hmm, silly mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. like that they made the joke tombstones were actually real tombstones that people have. Mm. So mm. worth protecting if you are a giant hound. I guess so. You know, I, I guess yeah, so. I would. I would. That's a dogs are so good. Does the next <laughs> story have a dog in it? I can't remember. Uh, no. Oh. The decks, but the next story. How do does, we transition into that? We transition. Then? Well, we were talking about kind of in the middle of nowhere and loneliness and. Oh, okay. And, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, and how things happen, and it's, it, yeah, it's it's more. It's I think this the the next story comes from Michaela who could have really used a dog. <laughs> Michaela, get a dog. Yeah, Michaela, get a dog. If you don't have um, one. <laughs> or a cat, get a cat. Get a dog. 
cats are useless when it comes to protecting you. They're, <laughs> no, at, they're good I at love scaring them. you. They're good they at scaring stuff. you, but they're not yeah. very good at defending you against intruders or supernatural beings that you want know to kill you. But they let you if what you're hearing is just you or not. They may, but they, all may, they also may just be doing that to scare you because they just get a kick out of it. That's true. Yeah, they're they're like cats are like a smoke alarm that works that just goes off whenever. <laughs> so by random chance, you they may the save you from a fire. I would say true. it depends on the That's cat. That's true. I love cats. I shouldn't speak ill of cats. I like cats, but dogs are cats are like people, and so they yeah. come in all you know shapes, sizes, and attitudes. Dogs are perfect fucking angels that just want to be near you and do right by you. And sure, they're little. They can be a little extra sometimes, right. but that's their charm. They like to lick the roof of your mouth. <laughs> it's so cute when they do that. It's not. It is. But anyway, your story. <laughs> <laughs> so this submission, as I said, comes from Michaela. I live off of what we quaintly call a side road in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Drive for about a mile on this two-lane blacktop and you'll come to a ten-foot gate marking the entrance to our deer ranch. You'll have to get out of your car to open it and then ease up a gravel driveway surrounded on all sides by dense forest before reaching the house. I'm 18 with little experience behind the wheel of a car, so I avoid driving at night whenever possible. One evening, though, I left my friend's place later than expected and found myself having to eke down this stretch of road in the dark. I knew enough to take it slow, to be on the lookout especially for deer and hogs that like to spring out of nowhere and dart in front of your car at the last second. As I neared the turn into our gate, a sudden flash erupted across my windshield, and something struck the front of my car with a sickening thud. I hit the brakes. My heart hammered in my chest. I was sure I'd just throttled some poor living creature and that my car was totaled. Looking in the rearview mirror to see what I'd hit, I saw a tall figure stand up in the middle of the road and dash for the trees. I could barely process what I was seeing. It looked like an unusually tall, naked man, but also somehow like an animal. Realizing that stopping for much longer would be a foolish move in the middle of the woods, I drove as fast as I could to our gate. It dawned on me that I'd have to get out of my car to open it. I hurriedly got out and undid the chain. Over the rattling, I heard the sound of footsteps on gravel and froze. They were headed in my direction. Panic, I dove back into my car and sped through. I had to stop again to close the gate behind me, though. What on earth could I do? If I got out again, whatever it was could get me, but if I left the gate open, it could follow me to the house. I rolled down the window slowly and listened, holding my breath. Nothing. After a moment, I leapt out and shut the gate in record time, drove up to the house, and rushed inside. I was safe for the moment. Of course, against something capable of standing upright after being struck by a car, what protection is a gate? Thank you, no. Yeah, I, my grandparents had a farm out in East Texas, and we had a gate like that that was like you'd have to get out and unhook it and open it up and drive through and put mm-hmm. it back. And so, like, it's a very visceral experience mm-hmm. uh, having Michaela describe that because I'm like, I get that just having to get out the car and be like, do I, do I leave the gate open? And and because stuff could follow you, but also thing deer or cows or whatever is you know that you're is, is raised on your ranch could get out. So it's like I can't mm-hmm. just leave that open. So you have to like. You have to kind of subject yourself to, to you have to be have vulnerable twice. You gotta have a cattle guard to keep the cattle and whatever from getting out. 
Well, but sometimes that gate is part of the cattle guard. Well, no, I mean like in the ground, so they can't walk. You know, the ones, oh, the rails in the ground. Fancy cattle guards. <laughs> that's, that's fancy. What literally it's fancy. Every cattle ranch has. Not all of them. Not back in the day and not still now. Michaela is not from back in the day. Her name is Michaela, first of all. Michaela goes back at least 10 years. Mm. <laughs> 18. We know it's at least 18 years. No, but that's. <laughs> But, uh, but having to open up that gate and like do that because I is, mean that is terrifying. That's the, terrifying. The uh, you know, and I, I think back to when I was a kid and looking at those gates and seeing like you have to open it and then you have to get out and you have to close it and it seemed like an, a lot of extra work from in my mind. And then I always thought, what if it's dark? Yeah. And then you have to you have to get out of your car where I guess you you, you imagine you're safe. I mean, you've got your headlights. To light the way when you're going in. But yeah. when you're in and you have to close it, everything's lit by the red of your brake lights. And that just kind of adds to the terror. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, and if you're standing, when you're unlocking it and you're standing, you can't see anything outside of just the headlights because it's so bright. Work. And it's just a lot of darkness. And, I mean, probably a beautiful starry sky. You <laughs> because, because that's in the, the country. You get that in the country. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, that just, that makes me, ooh, shiver. Oh, it really like does. It. I, oh, my God, I think of um, so many times we'd have to open that gate to go up to the, the gravel path, up to the, mm-hmm. the little farmhouse. It wasn't a farm proper. My, my grandparents didn't raise animals, but they had a little... Um, they had a ranch. They had a... <laughs> wink, wink, ranch farm. It was uh, it was kind of just a sort of getaway house on a lake um, that had some pasture for it, and they let a cousin um, who watched the place when they weren't using it, he'd, he'd uh, raise cattle on the land because there was mm-hmm. a lot of good land out there, but it wasn't, you know, they didn't raise animals. They We just went out there on weekends to hang out and go fishing and, and hiking a lake and house. stuff. They had a glor- glorified lake house. Well, well... Glorified ranch lake house? Glorified ranch that was actually a lake house? We just called it the farm. We didn't know what to call it. Right. But it had a long drive. You'd have to go down this little yeah. two-lane blacktop down and no street lights for Mm-mm. miles and miles and miles. Nearest neighbor was probably two miles down the road. Um, and we'd have to stop in front of the this little uh, this little driveway in front of the gate that was surrounded on both sides by a ditch. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a tricky turn-in. And then you'd have to open this gate and then drive through and then close it back. And it was loud and squealy. And so it took... And you had to wrap the chain back around and lock it. So it was not something you could do Imagine quickly. doing that after you had already hit something, saw it stand up and run into the woods. And then could hear it something, maybe not it, but something. And my first thought would be like, it's a thing. It's coming back to, to kill me because I tried to kill it. It's hearing their footsteps on the gravel. Yeah. That's terrifying too. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it, that, that she says it, it was, it looked like a man naked, but it also kind of looked like an animal. That makes me think of, of, you know, the, the, the shapeshifter. Right. You know, like maybe she hit it was an animal, but then it turned into a man because it shifted back into a man. And then he was like, I got to get out of here. Maybe. And then he shifted back into an animal. This is why I should write more. <laughs> you should. I will say it. It leads. It, it lends some some credence to the story because it's very rare that that you. There are not many animals you could mistake for a person in light. Like right, if you were yeah. like if you could see them lit, even if it was your brake lights, you could tell like that's a that's a naked person. There's nothing. There's nothing around here. Like coyotes don't look like that. Um, antelope don't look like that. Even mm-hmm. bears don't look like nope. that. But yeah, that's that's terrifying. <sighs> Who knows what's out in the country? 
You know, and it could be anything. It could be a, it could it's be the a, what they call a skinwalker shapeshifter. It could be the mm-hmm. Wendigo. It could be some crazy fucking farmer Bob running around with an animal head on Which because he's just honestly, a fucking nut. And he's hopped up on meth, options. and so he didn't feel the injuries <laughs> from meth. He's hopped up on meth. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. That's also fucking terrifying. Yeah, when he got hit, his meth pipe went flying, and he had to run over and get it. Ugh. Then he was really just running to offer her some. Let not, her to, not to not to debunk. Michaela's story. No, I have no. It idea probably was, was not a farmer meth head. No, probably. No, probably. But debunking on the subject of we debunking, have a new a little segment. A new segment I like to call actually. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be fun because I like to research this sort of stuff, and I am just as <laughs> hashtag actually hashtag actually. Um, I am just as fascinated by legends that have a lot of uh, first-hand accounts to support them as I am by legends that just seem to kind of come out of nowhere and right. that, that, you know, we have we all seem to have this idea of what was going on, but the truth is uh, sometimes weirder, sometimes more prosaic, but sometimes it tells a very different but just as interesting story. Um, so uh, this, is, this is never going to be something. We're never going to debunk reader submissions because that's not fair no. and that's not we're, that what we're about we just like good stories but i also think it makes a good story if we take pop culture urban legends and mm-hmm. we kind of look at them through a slightly different lens because i'm all about having balance right so if we find something that we end up discovering is like some real bullshit it's gonna be <laughs> on our hashtag actually segment it's not so much bullshit or we're calling something bullshit as we are offering an alternate view of the standard kind of entrenched legends. Yes. So, and, the, and and Michael is the first one to do this. Yes, because I love this kind of stuff. So what are we talking so about today? today? Okay, today, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to tell me um, what you know about the, the famous Winchester mansion. The Winchester, the, the Winchester mansion. Min- Mystery House. And I'm just going to kind of let you talk about it, and then I'm going to insert, or after you're done, rather, I'm going to come in and be like, actually. <laughs> actually. <laughs> you troubled water. You might be mansplaining. you got to be careful. I'm okay I, with I this, though, I'm not, so I'm going to forgive you now. Wanna, I'm not. I don't. Oh. I know. I, don't, okay. I just said it. Michael mansplains. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Michael splaining. <laughs> Michael Splains. Hashtag Michael Splains. Okay, so tell me so, everything you know. The Winchester Mansion, mm-hmm. from what I've heard, uh, is, uh, it's in California. It's in San Jose? Right, right, okay. right. Um, I mean, first of all, the fact that I could remember that. You're doing great Thank so you. Thank you. And that's on the West Coast. Geography. <laughs> so bonus points. <laughs> um, so uh, a woman. Uh, she's the wife of the heir to the Winchester fortune. Mm-hmm. She uh, her she has a child. Her child dies of tragic circumstances. Husband dies unexpectedly. Very tragic. She. I'm, I'm trying to condense this. <laughs> she uh, ends up going to psychics. Psychic. Uh, one of the psychics, spiritualist, I think is what they called him back in the day. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Medium. Medium. Told her that all of the ghosts of anyone that had ever been killed by a Winchester rifle was haunting her. And they were trying to take her like they took her daughter and they took her husband. So she had a house that was under construction, the Winchester Mansion. Um, and she put it into construction for uh, for the rest of her life. 
making tricks in the directions of like like there would be a hallway that ends in a wall or there would be a staircase that goes into the ceiling and there's no way there would be a door to outside that just you would fall to your death if you went out that door so it's just really weird stuff and she never slept in the same bedroom twice in, in a row because she felt like she had to move or the spirits would catch her so she continued until the until she died doing uh, with this construction and she had i mean in all honesty she was putting a, giving a lot of people work and that's San true Jose. and like I a lot of people had work although i think a couple maybe one maybe two people died during the construction but i mean that's what happens back then it was in the early 1900s Late, 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 late 1800s, 1800s, early 1900s. 1900s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I know. Yeah. Very good. So the idea. So basically, yeah. the the, the, the you huh? actually me. Well, I'm. I'm. I'll get to that. So what you got right was, of course, Sarah Winchester was was the widow of the heir to the Winchester fortune. Okay. Uh, Winchester made the Winchester rifle, which killed a lot of people, killed a lot of Native Americans during the expansion of the West. Okay. Um, the Winchester rifle had they tried to kind of they, they tried to get it to become a thing during the Civil War, but it really never took off. I mean, a few soldiers bought some, but it didn't. The, the Winchester fortune was actually built on shirt making before. Um, they got shirts. into before they got into arms manufacture shirts. Yeah. What kind of shirt? Uh, all dress shirts, 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 just shirts. shirts. All right. Um, uh, you know, because everyone had to wear a shirt, so yeah, you know, whatever. But they were well known for that, and they they later whatever. So, uh, Sarah Winchester married into the family. Of course, they were. She was from New Haven, Connecticut, and that was where the the Winchester uh, business was uh, located, or where it was uh, the HQ, I guess. And, you know, after the expansion of the West, after the, the Transcontinental Railroad was built, um, Daddy Winchester, the, the, the real owner of the business, mm-hmm. uh, packed off his son and daughter-in-law to the West Coast, specifically to San Francisco, to kind of head their offices there because they were doing a lot of business there. Mm-hmm. And um, so the story that you told is, of course, you know, that, that uh, her husband died, their child died, which is true. Okay. Uh, and what that, order was it? Do we know? Uh, the her Their child died in shortly after being born. Okay. Uh, Annie. Very child, The little girl's okay. name was Annie, and she died within, I mean, it was very, I think it was pretty much within a few days of being born. If Annie I'm Winchester. Annie her initials Winchester. were off. That's kind um, of a... Oh. That's a, that's a <laughs> and her husband died of tuberculosis. Her husband d- died of tuberculosis um, many years later, about 12, about a dozen years later, I think. Okay. And uh, and he was known to be tuberculous. One of the reasons Daddy packed them off to the West Coast because the air was supposed to be much better for uh, what they called lungers back then. So he's mm-hmm. like, hey, we go there. So so his death was not um, unexpected. unexpected. But it was, it was tragic. Well um, now the story of her, the, the official story, as you as you told it pretty well, was that she. Thank you. And that's the story most people knew, mm-hmm. uh, is that she, after her husband died, she bought this farmhouse in San okay. Jose, California, and began building on it, building on it, building on it, because she was told by a medium that mm-hmm. her family was being haunted by the ghosts of everyone who had ever been killed by a Winchester rifle, which was a lot of people, yes. uh, including a lot of Native Americans. And so she supposedly started building onto this house and building onto it and making weird passageways to basically create a maze to sort of baffle the spirits that were after her. And she was informed that when, if ever she stopped building on that house, she would die. So she mm-hmm. kept on and kept on and kept on for years. She moved uh, to San Jose after the death of her husband. So her husband died in uh, nineteen, in excuse me, eighteen eighty one. She moved uh, to Santa Clara Valley, San mm-hmm. Jose. 
1885. She did not move there to escape spirits. There is no record of her ever actually going to a medium. There's a specific name, a guy named Adam, uh, uh, um, whose last name I can't remember what it's supposed to be right now, but it was this medium named Adam that told her you must go because he's spirits, whatever. There's no record of that person ever existing. Oh. She came, to, so the real story is, she came to Santa Clara Wait, this Valley. is the actually part. This is, so actually. Okay. After the, <laughs> after the death of her husband in 1881, Sarah Winchester then moved to Santa Clara in 1885, bought this little, uh, it's not, that wasn't that little of a farmhouse. It was a nice, substantial home. But she bought it because her sisters, um, her specifically her sister Nellie, um, her husband, had just gotten a job and the university in uh, near there. And was so she was like, okay, well, I'm going to take you guys and you guys. She was the richest of all of them. So she was like, well, she didn't have I'm, kids. She was like, yes, she didn't have, <laughs> she didn't have kids. So she was like, I'm going to move uh, to you know, where you guys are. And I'm just working. I'm going to buy this house. We're going to build onto it. And all our families, you know, both of my sister's families and their kids are going to live here. Right. And so that was the original intention. She's going to buy this house and use her money to expand on it, to, to make a family home, which An was estate. kind of her dream. An estate. Yeah. Um, the thing is, almost immediately, uh, her brother-in-law lost his job with the university for whatever reason, oh, and had no. to, and packed off to North Dakota to find more work. So off they go. Uh, her other sister North and family, Dakota, North to Dakota, find work? to find work. Well, this is well, weird, different time. All right. Um, <laughs> So they packed off and left, and then her other sister who was living with her left too, but they left her um, uh, her niece, uh, Marion, lived with her uh, okay. for, the, for, for, the dura- for the rest of her life, pretty much. And so it was just these two women living in this house, and she mm, built on that. Great style. Did, yeah, well, okay. so here's the thing. So she lived in this house, and she did build on it. Now, the, the, the legend says that she had it built, that she had teams of contractors working on it around the clock. Not true. She did have them working on it constantly, but there'd be months, even come a couple of years, where she wouldn't have people over there to work on it. So the real reason she was building this, and I've, I've incidentally, I've been to the Winchester Mansion. I've been mm-hmm. through it. It is really weird yeah. because there's a lot. There is, you know, there is one staircase that leads up to a ceiling uh, and goes nowhere. There is one uh, switchback staircase that has like, you know, it only goes up like one story, but it has like five turns or something like that. It's oh, kind of wow. crazy. Um, there are a couple of doors, as I recall, that open into just air. Or the rooms. There are things like that, and but mostly the house is known for being kind of this experiment in a number of different architectural styles at the time. Now, what's thought is that Sarah Winchester was an enthusiast of architect and of architecture and design. Mm-hmm. But this was at a time when women were not allowed to be architects. It was not even possible to enroll. This was about a generation before. Uh, there's a famous woman architect named uh, Julie Morgan, Julia Morgan rather, who's famous for building Hearst Castle and like the Fairmont in San Francisco and among other things. Oh, right, yeah. She. Uh, this was a generation I didn't before. Know that sh- that was uh, built. By, that was an architect. Was a woman for that. That's yeah. amazing. And she's, she, uh, Julie. Uh, Julia Morgan is is the most famous uh, uh, female architect of, of the early 20th century. But mm-hmm. Sarah Winchester, this is her, she like the you know, only female architect? Of the uh, not the only, but she was right. she was the first to enroll in in a famous architectural school out on the West Coast. And okay. Then, Cool. Uh, so cool. on and so forth. And so she, so this was a generation before that even. So Sarah Winchester was likely as not just an, a fan of architecture, wanted to kind of flesh out some ideas and thought, I'm going to use my fortune and, and 
my, you know, my house to basically experiment on continuously. And if you go to the house and you see like the staircase and the windows going, they're just, it's almost like you're, you're going through an Ikea and looking at different <laughs> showrooms of like, here's what we can do with this room. Cause the rooms all have different styles. Uh, yeah. And the, the, another part of the legend is that the, the number 13 figures largely in the design. And that is true. Um, 13, there are 13 coat hooks, for example, in, in a hallway, there are 13, this 13, that, but it's not, there's nothing spiritual about it. She she did not. She was supposed to hold seances in the blue room, which is the center of the house, every night to consult the spirits to see what else. Because there apparently there were good spirits that wanted to help her from the bad spirit, the, the vengeful spirits. Right. And so she conducted the seance every night to to be like, what how what should I build on next? But that's not true. In fact, the blue room that she was supposed to have held held seances in was in fact her gardener's bedroom. <laughs> so what well, what you have unexpected. is yeah so what you have is is this woman that built onto this house she was a little eccentric but you know she was a private person she lived alone with her niece which kind of put people in mind of Miss Havisham from the Charles Dickens novel Great Expectations. This mm -hmm. woman who was kind of crazy, living alone with a younger girl who she was kind of grooming uh, to be a breaker of hearts. And so the first appearance of the legend of Sarah Winchester building this house to get away from the ghosts of, of the vengeful dead came from a newspaper article written about her that she is not quoted in they did not bother to interview her in it was uh, it came out uh it was the, the <laughs> it was totally fake news the san jose daily news ran an article on march 29th of uh, 1895 and the story was called uh literally strange story a woman who thinks she'll die when her house is built um and that article like all the elements of the winchester house le legend are in that that one article? And she never expressed any guilt for the the damage done by the Winchester rifle. It, she didn't, it wasn't a concern of hers. Um, and, and, you know, who knows, you know, but she never went on record for saying it. She never visited a medium. She didn't necessarily give any indication that she felt she was being haunted by these spirits. This just grew out of this, this legend that's, you know, somebody was looking for a good newspaper article to read. And there was this weird house being built. And people were like, how can I do it? But for me, I think it was kind of a misogynistic thing. I'm like... See what happens when there's a woman without a man with all this money? She just builds crazy shit. Yeah, she spends the money haphazardly and there's no responsibility yeah, and yeah. look at what she could have Ignore given. Ignore the fact yeah. that she was, you know, a, a huge part, a huge donator to charities, but usually anonymously. Um, Love and, but, it. and that she was also helping. I mean, she helped that area because all these carpenters and contractors and designers had worked through her because she was constantly futzing with the house. And, but it was just kind of this weird classist thing that they were like, oh, crazy rich lady moves in. It must be because she's guilty about all the people her husband killed, which is bullshit. Yeah. And, um, and what's what's funny, or I shouldn't say funny, what helped the legend is that after, so she died in 1922, a good old woman. She died of heart failure in her sleep. Uh, in the same bedroom. She's, Sounds like she, they got her. She's like, <laughs> well, I guess they get everybody in the end. <laughs> That's true. Um, You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, they took wrong. them a long time to get her. But um, she died in her sleep in the same bedroom. She slept in the same room every night, pretty much. Uh, I mean, she may have moved around every now and again, big house. She may want to try stuff, but it wasn't a habit of hers to do that, apparently. There's no right. record of it. Um, but so this guy named John H. Brown, who was from the Canadian side of Lake Erie, he used to be part of... Um, 
is essentially a carny. He worked for, uh, uh, it was called the Crystal Beach Resort uh, in Lake Erie. And they had, it was like fun houses, boardwalks, things like that. He actually invented the first, one of the first roller coasters. It was a little thing called the Backity Back, which what a, a name. Such a great name. It went Sounds all, like a porn. It went right, <laughs> and maybe it was. Um, it's not, it should it, be a porn. It went, now that that roller coaster that she invented went all of 10 miles an hour. But it nevertheless killed a woman. No, not surprising. It, it killed a woman in like June of um, oh, I want to say it was like it was the early it was the early 18th. So it was early 20th century. And so this guy was like, I got you know. So like 12 years later, he comes to to San Jose. He runs away. And He's he like, this buy, isn't working yeah, for me anymore. He, I've killed a woman. It's like, I've whatever. killed her. And so he buys the Winchester. How mansion. out he of shape even, are you? That 10 he, miles an hour. <laughs> On a roller co- is going to do. Well, That's it said like the, the backing takeoff. back. I don't know what it was. Maybe it had everyone twerking and it just threw her out of alignment. I don't know. But I like that you so just this- said it had everyone twerking. And in my mind, there's just a train of people in <laughs> turn of the century g- garments twerking their faces off. I love it. It's hard to twerk in those outfits. Have you I seen know. the corsets women Now imagine it and don't laugh. You can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> <You> can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes to San Jose. He buys the Winchester Mansion. He couldn't afford it outright, so he leased it yeah. and had to make money back to pay it off. And so he's like, "Let's turn it into an attraction, similar to the kind I used to run in Crystal Beach, like the mystery danger. houses, ghost trains." And so he just took that legend and ran with it. And if you oh. go there now, that is still the story they sell you: is it was this woman who felt that the ghosts of people killed by the Winchester rifle had killed her husband and, and daughter, bullshit. and she built this house to baffle these spirits that were trying to kill her. Total bullshit. She was a woman that was simply into architecture, not allowed to practice it on her own professionally. So she was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to use my money and my fortune and my my fortune, and my house, to experiment with different architectural styles." What about the niece? Did you? Well, the niece lived with her, and, and but I mean, was very we, happy. do we know anything about the niece after she left? Has she ever said anything, or where did she go? No, what did she do? I, did I she capture the men's I, hearts? What happened to her? I don't know what happened. Oh, to Mary well, somebody Winchester. find out and let us know, um, please. But uh, I, yeah, I'd like to know. But yeah, so isn't that so? It's really it's fascinating. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Now, to be fair, no one has ever claimed. Uh, except maybe people here and there, some anecdotal evidence. No one has ever claimed the Winchester house is haunted because no one's ever gone, oh yeah, you go there and the ghost of this person is supposed to walk around. It's just supposed to, you know, have been built because Sarah Winchester thought she was being haunted and maybe was. So interestingly, I know several sensitive people Mm -hmm. who have gone in there and they're all like, I know nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. Like they didn't get nothing. I had one person... They didn't get anything. I'm sorry. I had one person tell me uh, that they'd felt something or seen something in the boiler room. But that's a boiler room. Uh, that's a boiler room, which is kind of creepy. Interestingly enough, in one of the letters, um, one of, in either a letter or a journal of Sarah Winchester, she talks about being especially exhausted after talking to the man about the furnace. Um, <laughs> it's funny, too. I think it is partly that... Uh, a lot, so a lot of this information comes from a really awesome book uh, that I want to kind of hawk oh, yeah. because it's great. Like It's called uh, Ghostland, an American History in Haunted Places uh, by Colin Dickey. And okay. uh, he talks about a lot of famous... 
like supposedly famous American haunted places and kind of what the real story was. And he's not necessarily debunking ghosts, though sometimes that is natural, but he, he says, yeah, there's actually more to this story than people know. And so I highly recommend that book to, okay, to, yeah. uh, to anyone interested in it. It's a really beautifully written exploration. It's great, spot on history. And yeah, that's where I learned all the stuff about the Winchester Mansion. I love I was it. Like, oh my God, I it's had such no a good idea. story. And it's now an even better one because it's it's you're kind of looking at this woman who was weird but ahead of her time, and the only explanation that a patriarchal society, shall we say, right. had is like, oh, she's just a crazy old woman. Think them spirits are coming after her. Wow, and that's why she built that you crazy house. You know what? House. This makes me feel better about skipping the Winchester Mansion when I was in. Uh, <laughs> I was over there. I can't remember. Probably a convention, but uh, and I was like, eh, I just don't have time. And so I skipped it and chose to do something else instead. And I've always been like, oh, I wish I had gone there. Now I'm glad that I didn't. It's worth it's worth seeing, I think. And yeah. I'm glad I did. I didn't have any creepy experience. I just thought, this is really weird. And But at the time, I thought, wow, I'm looking into the mind of a crazy woman. Right. But in fact, you know, now I want to go it's back and be like, It's just an eccentric no. woman. I was just looking. At, I'm just <laughs> looking into a, in a mind of a woman that's playing with something she was not allowed to play with back right. then. Experimenting. Like, no, let's, let's build some shit. And yeah. she wasn't allowed to do that. Wow. So isn't well, that thank you, Michael. That's a really You're very good welcome. Story. I appreciate that. <laughs> I hope in future episodes we don't actually something that uh, people really want to believe in. I have a feeling <laughs> if we actually something that doesn't that we've incorrectly actuallyed <laughs> that people will let us know. <laughs> that is my favorite utterance that you've <laughs> ever uttered. <laughs> I mean, we're on a roll right now. Let's just keep talking. What are we doing? We're on a backity back. Um, <laughs> don't die. Perfect. Perfect. So, yeah, um, that is all for today's episode of Ghoul Intentions. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. And don't forget to join us on Twitch this Wednesday for a uh, live stream, a Q&A about this episode and other things you want to talk about, you can find us on Twitch at Ghoul Intentions. What time is the Twitch stream? It's at 8 p.m. Central. 8 p.m., yes. And, of course, you can go to ghoulintentions.com to check out stuff. More importantly, though, write and submit your own personal experience to Mm -hmm. be uh, possibly read on a future episode Episode, Yes, or if there's any actuallys you have that you want us to talk about, please give us. Yes, send us in. We'd love to hear that. So thank you again. Um, So I just mansplained something to you, mm -hmm. so now you get to try to... Marky Splain? Marky Splain. I'm going to Marky Splain. It's really, it's not a Marky Splain. It's just, do you know this quote? And the answer is, Usually no. (laughs) The answer is no. All right, what is it? What is it? What is it? All right, so this is, sorry, I got to get through all my, I opened it and then I closed it so you wouldn't see it. Now I can't find it. Okay, here it is. You just don't trust me. No. Um, (laughs) No, no, I don't. Okay. Boy... The next word that comes out of your mouth better be some brilliant fucking Mark Twain shit, because it's definitely getting chiseled on your tombstone. I I know it, and I don't know it. Well, it sounds like something Jack would say, first of all. It really does. (laughs) But that's, no. And I feel like we should constantly be quoting Jack. Yeah. Uh... He's he's quotable. He's a quotable. I'm gonna say inglorious bastards, knowing I'm wrong. You you are right that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the Devil's Rejects. Oh, God 
Yes. Oh. Again, Devil's again. Rejects is like underrated classic in my yeah. opinion. 2005. Gruesome, but so good if you like that kind of weird throwback to, you know, I, I like to call them redneck exploitation films. <laughs> <laughs> what would that be? Hillbilly exploitation? <laughs> <laughs> Trump exploitation. I'm so- I'm not sorry. <laughs> well, thank you again, everyone, for listening. And remember, it's okay to sleep with the lights on. <laughs> <laughs>